Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to New Hope Church. We're so glad you are joining us. I'm Ben, and this is my friend Jonathan. Don't worry, Jonathan, your mic is coming. Hey, thank you, Joel, for bringing out the mic and the table. Uh, we have a lot of things happening. This might be your first time here, and if this is your first time here, we want to say welcome. And if this, maybe this is your first time back, you haven't been here for a while, and if that's you, you want to say welcome home. And for those of you who are online, we want to say welcome. Thank you for joining us. You are an important part of New Hope as our online church. Uh, so we have a lot of things happening, and so we want to let you know what's, hap- what's happening here at New Hope Church. In fact, if you didn't know already, 2023 is a year of celebration because... Our Foursquare denomination is actually celebrating its centennial this year. Our Foursquare denomination has been here for 100 years. That's amazing. And part of those 100 years, for 42 years coming this March, New Hope Church has been here. Yeah, we've been here. So in March, we are celebrating 42 years of New Hope Church. I wasn't even here 42 years ago, Pastor Jonathan. Yeah, I was about two, three years old at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I believe you. But uh, what's so awesome is that on March 5th, it is Sunday, we're going to be celebrating 42 years here as New Hope Church. But we also get to continue in celebrating because later on that day at 1230, we will be at Coconut Island having water baptism. Now, if you don't know what water baptism is, water baptism is a public declaration that you receive Jesus Christ into your life and into your heart as Lord and Savior. And so we're going to go down there and we're going to just celebrate those who want to get baptized. Maybe you already got water baptized. Come on down and celebrate with us. Again, we're celebrating 42 years of what God, what God has done in the past. We're going to celebrate that day what God is doing in the present. And we're going to look forward to what God is doing in the future. Um, this after after church, if you guys would go check out our Kupuna Country Store out there, get all kinds of stuff, get snacks, get you know yasai, vegetables, everything, and all of the proceeds will be going to support our seniors ministry here at New Hope Hilo. And let me tell you, I go there and it's so much fun. You know, they give me an exemption to go because I'm too young, yeah. But anyway, I go over there, so good fun, and um, all of those proceeds will be going to this very exciting and again vibrant ministry what's so cool is um actually second service i had a, i had my cookies and then pastor Sheldon came up and and stole it from me but what's really good is there's a lot of there's a lot of big goods i believe they still have some big goods outside they also have some other food items they also have produce like man their produce is so amazing you can get like tomatoes and papaya and all these things and again it's going to support our kapunas and our kapunas are amazing because you guys just have a lot of fun I mean, throughout the year, you guys have so much events that we love it. In fact, if you didn't know, New Hope Church is a multi-generational church. We have Kapunas all the way to our children. And one of our children's ministries is actually through our New Hope Angels Baseball League. And they're actually going to have sign-ups for their spring season coming up. So if you have children from ages 4 to 6 and 7 to 8... We're actually going to have registration taking place, so you can contact that number, or you can uh, you can also visit us at our information center. You can look on our website or download our New Hope Church app to find out even more things about what's happening here at New Hope. I think that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. All right, enjoy service, everybody. God bless. Aloha. Okay, thank you, Pastor Ben. Thank you, Pastor Ben. <clears throat> well, now is the time we get to uh, worship, continue worshiping the Lord in the forms of tithes and offerings or, or giving. Uh, there's like uh, several ways to give, so you guys all know that. 
But uh, if this is your first time here, please do not feel obligated to give. We're just so very delighted and happy that you guys are joining us this morning. Now, the Bible tells us in the area of giving, be it of your resources, your time, your energy, your talents, you got to do it with a cheerful and joyful heart. Um, you know, it was second service, I was watching Pastor Sheldon, and I just, for some reason, I remembered, like 20 years ago, I used to drive the van, and we used to pick up people all over Hilo. And I used to pick up this one woman, she was an elderly woman, and her name was Zella. And I used to pick her up, and she used to come on the van, and she used to bring her guitar. And she would, when worship would start, she'd start just playing her guitar. She'd just come up to the side and start strumming. And the thing about Zella was, never even have strings on the guitar. But she had such a cheerful, joyful heart. And, and you know, I, I get strings on my guitar, but don't worry about that. But she was so happy, so cheerful. And I, I just remembered that. And I was like, that's the kind of heart that we have to have when we give of our time, our talents, our resources, is to be cheerful. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave. Now, the principal word is love and gave. He loved us so much that he gave. What did he give? He gave it all. What did Jesus give? He gave his life. And when you reorient yourself to that knowledge, then your heart becomes cheerful and joyful once again in the Lord. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you so much for this morning. And Lord, take these gifts, these giving, Lord, and, and just use it to multiply and further your kingdom here in Hilo and the world. Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our ears as we prepare to receive Holy Spirit, speak through Pastor Sheldon this morning, and let, us stri let it strike deep into our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Jonathan. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I didn't steal his cookies. I borrow them. This, this one fast one. But thank you so much for always believing in God's very best for the entire world. You may, it may seem like, and you may even feel like, like, what part do I play? Every time you do something for God, you never know what he's doing, especially when we do what he commands us to do. We just don't know what he's doing. I was out there with uh, our kupuna and you know, all the goodies out there, and I don't eat during service because it's just, I, I'd rather focus on people but when Pastor Ben brings things like this up and, you know, you just get tempted and so I'm out there and you don't want to get dirty because it's raining and if you're the type of person who loves your shoes and you don't want your shoes to get wet and muddy and all of that, you take good care of it. I get that because we don't like to get dirty. We like clean. Some of you clean your shoes every single day. Some of you don't and you could care less. You have dirty shoes, you have clean shoes. Some of us have a dirty car, some of us have a clean car. Some of us who have dirty cars wish our cars were clean. Some of us, our cars are so dirty, like you, you, you apologize to people when they come in. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I got, got this. So, you like fries? I got fries. You want fries? I got burgers. What do you want? I don't know. And we apologize because we, we, we know that it could be clean. We don't like dirty. We don't like coming home to a dirty house. Who likes coming home to a dirty house? If you come home to a dirty house and you like it, you don't realize it's dirty. 
It's just been like that for so long. You're used to it. You vacuum around everything. You don't move anything. You just vacuum around things. You're like, okay, I'm just going to vacuum this small spot. I'll take care of that later. And now it's, you're used to the environment. And then um, one Portuguese person come to your house. And they're like, no, we, we got to clean this. So if you have a Portuguese person, which my wife Heidi, she's Portuguese. In Hawaii, we say Portugui. But Portugui can mean so many different other things. We're just going to stick to this one thing. That Heidi is very good at cleaning. And she, she uses her Portuguese card as her reasoning for being this clean. She's oh, just a Portuguese in me. I was like, well, no, that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that if you have that kind of bloodline and you like cleanliness, you shouldn't apologize for that. Like, our house is so clean. Like, dust, look in there. Like, we ain't going in there. Nah, we ain't, gonna, we ain't surviving that house. Young Portuguese living in there. We ain't going to survive in there. I came home one day, and Heidi, Heidi said, oh, I, I used a different cleaner this time. I said, okay. She goes, no, the, the reason why I used a different cleaner is because uh, the last time you came home and you walked in, it was strong because it was pine saw. Like, pine saw kills everything, even your eyeball. So when I came in, she noticed that. So she said, I used something else. I'm like, what are you using? Like, some hypoallergenic, non-GMO type of cleaner? She's like, no, white vinegar. I was like, white, white vinegar? She goes, yeah, I clean all the ceiling fans with white vinegar so that when you turn on the ceiling fans, on all the ceiling fans, it would smell like chicken adobo. I was like, yeah, that's the house I want to walk into. Everybody likes clean. We love clean. The only person who I would see that is probably okay with dirt and filth, and not in the context of if it's ruining us, but in the context of I can deal with that, is Jesus. He can deal with that. Like, he's so good at walking into filth. And it doesn't affect him at all. It doesn't affect him. He can walk into my dirty life and love past that easily because he knows our story. He knows humanity. He knows everything about us. When Jesus comes into our life, he says certain things. We'll hear, like we'll read scripture, we'll open our Bibles, we'll read scripture, or we will hear certain things from people, or we'll watch something on, on a video or social media, and, and we'll hear good things, and it touches us. But what about the things that we don't hear that we say to ourselves that ruin us? Like self-talk. We talk to ourselves about the things we've done that were wrong or bad, and we can't even look ourselves in the mirror. When Jesus died on the cross and then he rose from the grave, and right before he ascended into heaven, he gave us a command, right? And he said, all authority has been given to me in their heaven and earth, and now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I have commanded you. And then lo, always remember I will be with you even to the end of the age. Like that ending part is the best part of the movie. You ever watched a movie and the ending was so horrible? And then you're like, I would have directed that differently. Yeah, you know what their last line should have been? But Jesus gives us the best part that I will be with you even to the end of the age. Like he's saying, I'm, I'm always going to be here with you. 
But why did Jesus have to command us to go therefore and make disciples of all nations? Why did he have to command us? Why does he command anything? Why does Jesus command us to do certain things? Because he had great teachings. Jesus had great teachings, the Beatitudes. You read in Matthew chapter 5. You read how Jesus says, you're the light of the world. You're going to shine brightly. Shine in such a way that people see your good works and glorify me in heaven. He gave great teachings. But they weren't necessarily commands. There's certain things that Jesus commands of us. And if you think about it, if someone has to command something, that's an indication of something else. And Jesus commands because we wouldn't do what we should do on our own. Like we, gotta, we, we, have, to, we have to be commanded to do something. And we're commanded to do what Jesus is saying because we just don't have the strength. If you, if you have children or maybe you as a spouse or just you yourself, you have certain chores that you do around your house. Maybe you have a list of things that you need to do. Maybe someone made a list for you and you, these are the things that you need to do. You need to take care of these things. Mow the lawn, wash the dishes, clean your room, you know, put your clothes away, all of these things. That's the grace. That's the grace. It's, you have a list. But if someone comes home who has the authority to override the list to tell you what to do when the things are not done now it's a command it's a command now you come home and the dishes were not done and so and so were, they were supposed to do the dishes now you're frustrated you're angry and then you say do the dishes now it's a command versus hey later on don't forget the dishes. It's, there's a different tone to it. Let's do the dishes now. I don't want to do the dishes. Yeah, I'll just take away your phone. No, not my phone. I'm turning off the Wi-Fi and putting a password. No, you don't love me anymore. Yeah, you're right. I don't. So deal with it. Like, yeah. So yeah, TikTok that. So we get into this habit of thinking because Jesus is kind, he's compassionate. He is gracious, but we forget grace is not just kindness. Grace is power. It's the power of God. Grace. That's why Paul the Apostle, if you read the New Testament, he could say, your grace is enough, sufficient, because there's power in your grace. When I'm weak, you're strong because of your grace. And because God is gracious, we think when Jesus commands, it's in a mean way. He doesn't, it's not a demand command. It's a command in the sense of, this will be good for you. It's not command or else. It's command blessings. You, you, you will love the results of this. The obedient part is what we don't like. But he's saying, you're going to love this. But this is necessary. That's why I'm commanding you. That's why it's necessary for you to understand this command. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, hey, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? What, what do I have to do? And Jesus said, oh, obey the commandments. He's like, well, I did all that. Did all the commandments. I did, I did everything. 
What else must I do? Jesus says, oh, you did? Oh, oh, there's, there's just one thing then you lack. Sell everything you have and then give that to the poor and follow me. Jesus gave him the one thing he knew he wouldn't do. He said, you want to be perfect? Sell everything. In, in other words, you want to be perfect? I know you don't want to do this, so do the thing that you don't want to do, which I know you're not going to do, so you're not going to be perfect. So why are you trying to reach perfection? How about this? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And everything was about the law and the prophets. Everything was about that. And Jesus says, you know how many laws you're going to have to obey? And you've got to remember And then all the prophetic words that were given, you know what? I'll simplify it for you. Love God, love others as you love yourself. He simplified it, but yet still a little difficult. And here's what's so good about Jesus. Jesus never lowers the standard. He always raises it up by making it simple. We make things complex. And we make it so difficult even as the church, the larger church, just the, the worldwide church, or even as people, we have such high expectations for flawed creatures like you and I. So high that will never be met. That's why Jesus commanded. So when he says, no, you just love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, it starts off with you shall. You shall Love God. You shall love God. Like, it's almost, it's almost, like Heidi and I have been together for 37 years, been married for 31, going on 32 <laughs> next year. So, <laughs> it's, my math is off. I can't say to her, you shall love me with all of your heart. She'd be like, <laughs> I shall? And if you know Heidi, that's the peaceful version. That's the calm Heidi. You shout. Like, we can't, we can't command that. We can't command people to love us. Yet Jesus said, you shall love God. Like, wait, what? Yeah, you, sh- you shall love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You shall. It's a command. What if I don't feel like it? Well, that's the whole point to a command. It works even when you don't feel like it. He starts with loving God because every relationship will come out of our relationship with God. Every relationship. God is the hub and resource for all of our other relationships. As we often say, if I have a problem in my marriage, it's not the marriage. God created marriage perfect in a perfect way, perfectly. Marriage is perfect. It's just imperfect people got married so it's not how God designed marriage that's imperfect it's we're imperfect people getting married and so our source of 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 love in a marriage is not marriage it's God he's our source but yet we try to put that expectation on each other that you have to fulfill all of my heart's desires it's you and God is like that's a high expectation to have on an individual that is flawed 
and sinful at best. But if we put our expectations on God, okay, God, you're the source of love, then he's gonna fulfill that. It's all on him, and he's good at that because God is love. It's not what he has, it's who he is. So Jesus starts with God because he knows that's the source. And then he says, and then you're gonna love others. But in the context of, oh, you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Who is your neighbor? In fact, that's what they were asking. Well, who's my neighbor? Trying to justify, like, I don't even know who you're talking about. What do you mean, my neighbor? It's like, oh, the the neighbor, the the person that you have the most difficult time with? Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. That's the person you're supposed to love. What? Well, how am I supposed to love them? I don't love them. That's what love is. You, you, You love these people because you like them. You get along with them. You have commonality. You have common interests. You, you, you do the same thing. So you, you have similarities. You love because of that. And so you, you like being around them. So therefore you love them. But you really know that you love someone when you don't have reason to love them. And there's no commonality. There's nothing in common except the fact that Jesus said, love them, love others. Love your neighbor, the person that you're an enemy with. That's who I'm telling you to love. That's the true test of love. It's the person you don't like. And then Jesus has the wonderful, amazing genius to say, that which you do unto the least of these, my brethren, that which you do unto me. So the principle is this. We only love Jesus as much as the person we hate the most. So I can say I love God. But my measurement, the metric, is the person I hate the most. He's saying that's how I know you love me. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He even commanded in John chapter 15, he said, this I command you, that you love one another. I command you to love one another. It seems like, wow, that's kind of, how can you command us to love one another? We do the very same thing. As parents, we see two children fighting. Like, long ago, I gave up on saying, okay, what happened? Tell me what happened. Like, forget that. Like, I'm not a good, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer. So I'm not sitting two kids down and, and, and two children and say, okay, what happened? And then one has their case and oh, I came in the room and wasn't doing anything at all. He just punched me in the face. Okay, so just out of the blues? Just, yeah, just out of the blues. Okay, what happened? He came in the room and he took my toy and he made a face at me. And so I said, stop doing that. And I lightly touched him. <laughs> so now you have to decide... Like, which one is right and wrong? I'm like, bro, lick them all. <laughs> Line them all up. Everybody get in lickings. I'm not even going to listen to these cases. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> and that's how we are. But at the end of it, we say, okay, now shake hands. Now hug. I don't want to hug. Hug. Hug now. You're not eating. <laughs> like, we do that as parents, as uncles, as aunties, as grandparents. Some of you CPA workers right now taking notes on me. CPA? CPS. See, I didn't even know, but you did. You knew it was CPS. CPA is something else. That's uh, an accountant. Certified public accountant, I think. And we demand that out of people, or we command it, because, and these are children. 
because we want them to get along. And basically what we're saying is, do this because later on, the feelings will catch up. The people, like my friends that I fought with the most, my cousins I fought with the most, we're the, most, we're the closest now. So when Jesus commands something, he's saying, oh, it's not, it's not about this right here. There's something else that I see that you're going to benefit from. You're going to love this. So I'm commanding you. You shall love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. So you love God, you love others, but you love yourself. Now, there's a difference between loving yourself and selfishness. Right? There's a big difference between loving yourself and selfishness. Selfishness comes from within. Loving yourself comes from him. It's, there's, a, there, there's a difference. So I get it. The loving ourselves is like, this is me time. This is me time right now. This is me time. Everybody, shut up. This is me time right now. I need myself time because God said to love myself. So I'm going to love myself right now. But that's from within. That's like I had the worst day of my life. So I'm, I'm doing what I want to do because God said to love myself. But it could possibly be you just need a break. It's not about loving yourself or not. It's like, I just need a break. Not break up. Some of you are dating right now. It's like, yes, the pastor said break. Right, we're done. <laughs> it's, it, there's, there's, a, there's a real thing that takes place right in our heart, our soul, our mind. Like our soul gets damaged a lot. But we can still perform. We can still do things. And so when Jesus says, no, you, lo- you shall love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's what is so interesting about ourselves. We pick the worst version of ourselves to love. That's why we have a hard time with loving ourselves. We know our past. We know our behavioral patterns. We know even our, our worst times. We even know what we're doing today. So we pick that version of us, and we look in the mirror, and like, I don't know, I can't love myself right now. Because we know all the dirt. We know the dirty in our life. Many of us grew up in dirty water. Have you ever, like as an adult, go back to the place you used to play in, like, 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 like the ponds and the stale water, the, the, the mud and all of that? Like I grew up in Waminalo, so and in the back of our house, there was a river that would flow, but sometimes that river would not flow, and that water would become stagnant, bad. And we played in that and that wasn't mud anymore it was just like other things but those were the best lily pad fights we've ever had the best mud fights because it was nasty like it wasn't even nasty it was nasty like there's an s in the front of it it's nasty it was so bad and and we'd, we that's how we would that's how we would play we, we were angry birds. We were the game. So we would, and, and if it got in your eye, too bad. You lose, wash off. But that's what we did, and it was in dirty water, and we always, we, we were in that. There's no possible way. We as adults will go back to the places we played in and have fun like we did. There's no possible way. No way, you'd be like, uh, uh. I was, I wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't dirty back then like that. 
No, 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 no. You're just used to it. That's why when, when sickness comes around, if you grew up like that, you don't get sick. Everybody else, so sensitive, gets sick. Somebody sneezes, they're like, oh, man, oh, my throat itchy. Oh. <laughs> ah, ah. Everybody who grew up in like Wainaku River, they're like, oh, robust. I can handle this. This is, I, I can handle this. I grew up on the, I grew up in the, I was the farm. I can handle this. Immune system built up. Because we've been in that. It's like we see kids, right? All the time. Running nose all the time. Immune system being built. It's part of it. That's nasty. But it's still being built up. It's a part of our immune system being built up. And that dirty water, we would never go back into. Because we know what it's like. We, we don't. But we have that in our lives. We, our, our, our life is filled with dirty water. Filth and mud. And there's no outlet. We just, we, we keep all of our, our, our past sins and mistakes. And even with other people, when other people do things to us, we, we, we bring that, we didn't even compartmentalize it. We just bring it in the whole thing. And it's, now that's our life. And we define our life based on things that happened to us or didn't happen to us. Things that people did to us. Things that people didn't do for us. And, and we base our life built on that. And it's just, it's stagnant. No life anymore. Just muck and mire and dirt dirty and it's filthy and there's no outlet so when God is trying to pour in there's nothing out it just it stays stagnant so Jesus has to command us to love one another because we don't even love ourselves here's what's amazing about Jesus the worst part of us that we despise was the part he died for. So when we present ourselves as the worst possible version of ourselves and we can't even face Jesus, some of us even coming to church or even watching online, like, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't go into church. If they knew what I did, there's no way they would accept me. But Jesus sees our life and he knows every single secret that's the version he died for. He said, that's, that's, that's how you see yourself? Yeah, I, I, this is what I've done. This is, this, is, this is my past. This is all of my, 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 my worst parts of me. And Jesus is like, man, I love you. I don't love what you do, but I, 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 can, love, I can love that version of you. I can bypass all of that. In fact, he, he went even further. While we were at our worst, that's when he died for us. It wasn't when we were well-behaved. It wasn't when we got our act together. It wasn't when the church would accept us or people would accept us. It was at our very worst. So while our life is just stagnant and, and filled with no life and just dirty and muddy, and everyone moves away from it because it's, it's, now it's very nasty. And yeah, I don't, I, I can't, I don't, I, I don't want to associate with you anymore. As everybody's moving away from you, Jesus is kind of going through the crowd. And he's like, who's that? Off. Oh. And we pass Jesus on the way of him coming to the person we just left. 
he loves and we have no clue what love looks like because our backs are turned and Jesus steps into our life changes everything the fruit of the spirit in in Galatians 5.22 gives us a hint of where God has taken us And in order to get to that place, Jesus says, he says this to his cousin John. He says, I, I, I need to be baptized by you. And John, John the Baptist, is like, um, I think you need to baptize me. In Matthew 3, Jesus comes from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him. By the way, the Jordan River, not the cleanest river. So Heidi and I, some of you have been to Israel, and maybe you stepped foot in the Jordan. Um, Jesus makes that river significant, not the river itself, not the water. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And we all recognize that Jesus didn't even do any miracles yet. And God said, I'm pleased. Jesus didn't perform any miraculous things. Jesus didn't do any public ministry that was so significant that God would say, That's awesome. I'm pleased with you. He didn't do anything significant like that. And God says, I'm pleased. I'm pleased. I'm pleased. And we think that we have to do something significant for God to be pleased with us. He's already pleased with us. He's already pleased. There's nothing more we can do to make God love us anymore. Or make him love us any less we can't do anything he's already pleased i am well pleased so many people were baptized before jesus when he steps before he steps foot into this water so many people and some of us were so analytical if you see hundreds of people going into the water and standing in line, you'd be like, I ain't going last. I'm going to go first. It's the cleanest it's going to be. I'm going to go in first. Everybody else can get baptized after me. It's like when people share things, they're like, oh, I'm going to go first. I don't, I don't want everybody touching. I don't want to go last. I'm, everybody's been touching that. So after the people are baptized, you have, I mean, actual dirt from them. But Jesus steps foot into that dirty water. And he says to his cousin John, oh, this is to fulfill all righteousness. All righteousness? Yeah. You think Jesus, Jesus needed to become righteous? He was already righteous. He didn't come to fulfill his righteousness. He came to fulfill ours. 
He steps into that water, not for himself, for him. Not for him. It's for us. That's how we're declared righteous. It's because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we have done. He came to fulfill all righteousness because we're unrighteous. So what is the fruit of it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And against such things, there is no law. But in order for us to, like, we, we can have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and, and, and so forth, because it's, it's, it's not even our fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not ours. It's His. We can have these things, but not until I do something about it will it be that effective. And, and Jesus commands us to love because we just won't do it on our own. And we receive a lot from Jesus because he's our Savior. We love that part. But if he's not our Lord, we become stagnant because there's no outlet. And when he's the Lord and he commands us, now there's outlet. Now we don't become like the Dead Sea. But now we can, we can flourish because he's bringing in new life, new water, and we can flow. And we don't become stagnant. Lest we become stagnant, and at best, we have the best lily pad fights in our life and mud fights. But we have to let Jesus step into all of that mire and muck and then be loving, be kind, be gentle. It's an action. We, we're, this, is, this, is, this is a result of what Jesus is commanding us to do. We can be joyful. He's commanding us to love. He's commanding us because we just won't do it on our own. We need him as Savior and Lord. We need him in both ways. Savior, we receive. Lord, we put into action. A Lord commands. That's what a Lord does. Jesus is our Lord, and he'll command with such compassion, grace, and love. He'll command us. If not, we'll get used to the counterfeits of the world. We'll get used to everything, and all we do is perform because we don't know the real thing. Not until we meet Jesus. I was recently learning this. That if I'm authentic with Jesus, I can learn to be authentic with people. And I wonder if my prayers to Jesus are more religious than relational. Like, do I talk to Jesus how I talk to my friends? And it can almost seem like, like, well, I don't want to demean Jesus. I don't want to bring him down to our level. Listen, he already did that. He left the perfect place and came as a human being and humbled himself even further by serving and dying on the cross. So you, there's no more, you can't put him any lower than what he already did for himself. So to talk to Jesus as you talk to a friend, he will like that. 
He's okay with that. He can handle that. If he can step into the dirty waters of our life, he can handle everything we bring to him. You never know what God is doing when you do what he commands you to do. Always go back to Jesus. He gave us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what we normally wouldn't do on our own. So when we love people, it's not just the ones we like. Jesus said, easy to love those people. But can you love your enemies? And maybe God put someone on your heart today. Like This, this is the person you're going to love. And I will give you the love necessary for that person. You don't have it, but I do. You may not agree with them. You may not hang out with them, but can you love them? Because this I command that you love one another. So we're going to pray. And we're going to let God do what he does best. And love with our heart, soul, and mind. We're going to love God. We're going to love others. We're going to love ourselves. We're going to love ourselves. Start with God. Because he knows how to love because he is love. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you, first of all, for just who you are, what you do, how you've done what you've done, and even the things we do not see that you're doing, we trust you in. So when you command us to do something, to love you, to love others as we love ourselves, when we don't see what you're doing and we don't feel like it, can you give us the action required to do that? And it could be the fruit of the Spirit. It could be just being kind to someone. Whatever you choose, Lord, we're going to rely on you. We're going to ask you in those moments, Holy Spirit, what do I do? And you'll give us direction. So we turn to you. We thank you. Jesus, thank you for being this kind of Savior and Lord. We receive, but we also have an outlet. Help us to be loving, peaceful, gentle, kind, like how you are. Because if you can love us, we can love one another. Empower us today to do what you do best, and that's to love. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said together, Amen. God bless you guys. Have a beautiful day. Love God. Love others as you love yourself. Have a great day. We'll see you guys soon.